We're continuing our series on the gospel uh, series. Today we're looking at the gospel and parenting. And what I'm hoping you will get from this whole series is the fact that the gospel impacts every aspect of our lives. It impacts our work. We've talked about that. Thank you. It impacts our work. It impacts our life. It impacts our marriage. It impacts our parenting. The gospel is all-inclusive. It impacts every aspect of our life. Parenting is one of the highest callings that we have, uh, that God has called us to. It is a high calling. Um, it's a blessing, but it's also a challenge to do it. For those of us who are parents, we've been placed in a unique position to offer words of blessing to our children. I have been impacted uh, by a book that I'm using some material from today um, called The Blessing. Uh, maybe some of you have heard of it. It's a book written a number of years ago by John Trent and Gary Smalley. Interestingly enough, John Trent, uh, one of the authors, uh, he grew up in a home that he did not get the blessing from his father. Uh, as a matter of fact, he went to the hospital. He was longing to get a blessing from his father. He went to the hospital when he learned his father was on his deathbed, and he goes into the hospital. He's thinking, maybe now is the time I'm going to get the blessing. This is what I've wanted my whole life. My dad's at the end of his life. Now's the time I'm going to get the blessing. His dad cursed him on his deathbed. He did not get the blessing from his father. Maybe you're here today and you can relate to that. The fact that you grew up in a home, you, did, you grew up in a home that did not pass on a blessing to you. The good news is you can receive a blessing. You may not get it from your parents. You may get it from somebody else. You may get it from the body of believers in the church. That's one of the benefits of being in the body of believers in the church is there is blessing in the church. God blesses his church. He blesses his people so that we can bless others. And that's our role, not only as parents, but as believers, that we bless one another. It is a crucial aspect in Scripture. There are many people searching for a word of blessing for their lives. I think one of Satan's goals is to put parents under a cloud of guilt that they failed. Or they are inadequate for the task of parenting. None of us are adequate for parenting. None of us. We're all inadequate. God is the one who makes us adequate for parenting. We're going to look at a story, if you open your Bibles, to Genesis chapter 27. Familiar story of Isaac, Esau, and Jacob. Esau was looking for a blessing from Isaac, his father. He longed for that blessing but he didn't get it. What was the blessing that Esau had waited for over the years? For sons and daughters, in biblical times, receiving their father's blessing was a momentous event. We will discover it gave children a tremendous sense of being highly valued by their parents and even pictured a special future for them. At a specific point in their lives, they would hear words of encouragement, love, and acceptance from their parents. It is important to note, though, that the blessing in the Old Testament 
were unique to that time. The relationship elements of the blessing, though, are still applicable for today, and that's what we want to focus on is these relational elements that are applicable for today. For Esau, his father Isaac followed the custom of waiting until a specific day to give the son a blessing. And so here's what it says. Isaac, Genesis 27, was old. His eyes were so weak that he could no longer see. He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now remember, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, right? So he's feeding him. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. So Rebecca, the wife and mother, is concocting a plan to trick Isaac into giving Jacob the blessing. Jacob says to Rebecca, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skin. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. You can see the deceit already. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him, and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. 
Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. But Esau heard his father's words. He burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright And now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked him, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Esau had already several years earlier sold his birthright, which meant he gave up all the cattle and sheep because he despised it. Probably didn't want to work that hard. He gives all that up. But when it comes to the blessing, his heart is ripped out because now he's not getting what he really, truly wanted from his father. And this is important because there are many people, and you, it may be you, it may be somebody you work with, it may be a fellow student in school with you that has never received the blessing from their family, and they're still trying to get it. That's why some people turn to alcohol, drugs. That's why some people turn to workaholism. They're trying to get the blessing from their parents. It's an important thing. However, we see dysfunction going on here. We see deceit in what Jacob was doing. However, in the midst of his deceit, we also know, if we look back, if we flip back just a couple chapters earlier, that it was really God's plan to bless Jacob over Esau. Back in chapter 25 of Genesis... In verse 23, it says, The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within. You will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. God had already prophesied that the older would serve the younger. So God's plan was still being fulfilled even in the midst of deceit. And that's what we need to remember. You may have grown up in a dysfunctional home, a deceitful home, but God's plan is still going to be worked out in your life. And you can still receive the blessing in your life. And as parents, one of the greatest things you will ever do is you will bless your children. And I'm going to give you some important relational elements of how to pass on a blessing to your children. It is vital that we learn how to do this and that we do it. And that we do it with God's strength and God's ability. When Esau returns, he's devastated to learn that he had lost this blessing. His heart is ripped out. He's filled with hurt. And down in verse 38 of chapter 27, Esau says to his father, Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And he wept aloud. We can hear how important this is. You see, in Old Testament times, a father's blessing was irretrievable 
an ear retractable. Once it was given, that was it. Now Isaac's blessing was forever outside of Esau's reach. The blessing carries words of love and genuine acceptance. The reason some people gravitate toward a cult is because they want that love and acceptance they never got in a home. And that's why some people gravitate toward a cult. So it is so important that we carry this on and we give this to our children. The blessing provides an important ingredient for people to cleave, to draw to another person in an intimate relationship. And people that don't have that blessing will get into a marriage and they have problems connecting emotionally with their spouse because they did not have that blessing. And it causes problems in a marriage. So passing on the blessing is so important. If you're a teacher, even discovering the blessing can help you better understand your students. So the question is, does the blessing apply today? Or was it just something for the Old Testament? What are the elements of which it consists? How can I know whether I've received this blessing myself or if my children are experiencing this blessing? There's five powerful relationship elements that this Old Testament blessing contains, and we're going to look at them in a moment. Husbands can apply these principles of blessing to their wives. Wives can apply these to their husbands. Friendships can be deepened and strengthened by including each element of this blessing, even in friendship. The Hebrew word for blessing in the Old Testament is one of the most important words in the Bible. It is used over 640 times in the Old Testament alone. And there were four crucial functions to the blessing. First, I want to mention the four crucial blessings, and then we're going to look at these five things. And I'm going to mention these quickly. First, the blessing ties us. Why is that starting at the back? There we go. Four crucial functions to the blessing. It's not advancing. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, the blessing ties us to God's creative purpose. Ties us to God's creative purpose. The word for blessing pictures God's original plan for mankind. What is the first thing God did after he created man and woman? It says in verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1, he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God Bless them. That was the first thing he did. So th this tells us that God wants to bless his people. It's part of his created purpose for us, to bless us. We were created for blessing. Nothing worse in the Old Testament than being under a curse. But as powerful as a curse is, a blessing is more powerful. Genesis 12 God tells Abraham that through his descendants, who are pointing to Christ, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When we experience God's blessing and we learn to bless others, we are connected to the major purpose of our creation. We should bless one another. Secondly, the blessing unites a group of people. Melchizedek has Abraham gather his family and he blesses them as a group, his family. 
Moses also, in Genesis, or Deuteronomy chapter 33, he assembles the entire nation of Israel together in the wilderness to bless them, and he blesses them right before he dies. In Orthodox Jewish homes, every Friday night, a father will call the entire family together for a time of blessing. Boy, that's probably something we should incorporate, isn't it? It unites a group of people. Think about the church. A group of people being together, united, God can bring his blessing on that body. Thirdly, the blessing invokes God's protection. Invokes God's protection. It was a time to call upon God for protection. In Genesis chapter 28, Isaac blesses Jacob for sending him to seek a wife, and he prays for his protection. We pray for our boys' protection all the time. It's a great thing to do, and it's a blessing when we're able to pray that for them. Fourthly, the blessing was also used to mark an important rite of passage. Whether it's birth, marriage, passing of leadership from an older generation to a younger, a blessing was used to mark significant milestones in a person's life. Now, I've had the privilege of being in Israel, and I've seen uh, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs for the, the girls coming of age. And when they came of age, there's a, a prayer of blessing for them. Some of you know that several years ago, we had a bar mitzvah here, a Christian bar mitzvah for our youngest son, Brandon. We did one in Virginia for Ryan. And we had several men who were a part of that. I see some of you here who were a part of that. And we came in, and we had a meal together over in the Iwana room, and then I asked the guys to write up something small to challenge my boy to be a godly young man. And I also asked them to bring a symbol, something. Some brought a flashlight, some brought a knife. I <laughs> See, I still remember some of these. Um, I gave him a little Ark of the Covenant to represent God's presence, that God is always with you. And we had several guys give him these symbols. Why? Because those symbols now are on the shelf, and he can look at those symbols and remember what hopefully the message was communicated to him, that he's growing up, he's becoming a, a, a man, and he needs to be a godly man. And God has given us his word to do that. And those are important things, markers in people's lives as they're growing up, as you're teaching your kids. When they turn 13, consider doing a Christian bar mitzvah. Give them those symbols. Speak truth into their life. Have godly men pray over them. You know, now that I think about it, when I thought about back when we had Ryan's in Virginia, two of those men are in heaven today. Both of them died of cancer. But they both gave him a powerful message. And think about what that message would mean now that those guys are in heaven. It's such an opportunity. Specific blessings are given from a father and a mother. These four Old Testament functions, tying us to God's creative purpose, uniting a group, invoking God's protection, and providing a rite of passage, these were common practices in the Bible, but they're absent today in many homes. There were unique spiritual and prophetic aspects of the blessing, because they would pronounce them, and that would be the blessing that was given, that were given to the patriarchs alone. 
However, in Jewish Orthodox homes, they've continued to practice this blessing of children to communicate acceptance, protection, and affirmation. So let's look at these, and these are very practical, and I hope you will write these down and consider not only are you incorporating them into your family, but maybe the reason you might understand now better the reason why your parents didn't pass on a blessing to you because they didn't know, and you can bless them. So let's look at these five powerful elements of the family blessing. Five powerful elements of the family blessing. Number one is meaningful touch. It was an essential element in bestowing blessing in Old Testament homes. In this story with Isaac and Esau, in verse 26, he says, he says to Jacob, who he thought was Esau, Come here, my son, and kiss me. He wanted him to come close. Very descriptive term here. As used of armies drawn together in battle, it was used even to picture the overlapping of scales on a crocodile's skin. That's how close. Isaac wanted to give his son a bear hug. Now remember, at this point in time, Jacob is 40-plus years old. He's not, a, he's not really that young even, and he still wants to give him this bear hug and have this meaningful touch. And that's a part of passing on the blessing is that you touch your kids in a meaningful way. Some children grow up, and the only way they know the touch of their parent is discipline, harshness, hitting them, striking them. Meaningful touch is so vital. Oh, there's a time for discipline. I had my share. I, I was, there was meaningful touch on the back end, too, at times. And it was needed. Meaningful touch was needed. But here I'm talking about a warmth, a love, an acceptance of value, touching them in a meaningful way. In Genesis chapter 48, in verse 9, he says, These, or They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, Bring them to me so that I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons, listen, close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. There's something special about a meaningful touch that is vital in that relationship. I hope you embrace your kids in that way. And maybe it's harder for you, if you did not have that kind of affection in your home, it might be harder for you to show that affection, but it is vital that you do, that you show that. In Genesis 48, verse 14, it says, Israel reached out his right hand, and he put it on Ephraim's head. Though he was the younger, crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn, and he blessed them by putting his hands on their head. And there's been a couple of occasions where I've had my boys where we knelt down in prayer and I would put my hand on their head and pray a prayer of blessing over them. I think it's vital that we do this. Our kids are longing for a blessing, those affirmation that we need to give them. There was a study done at UCLA. It found that just to maintain emotional and physical health, men and women need eight to ten meaningful touches each day. As somebody shared that at a marriage seminar, 
eight to ten meaningful touches each day, he saw his husband reach over to his wife and go, one, two, three, four. <laughs> um, that's not meaningful touching. <laughs> um, we need to do it in a sincere way. These researchers define meaningful touch as a gentle touch, a stroke, a kiss, a hug given by significant people in their lives, a husband, a wife, a parent, a close friend. Meaningful touching was usually a part of the words of blessing that were spoken. Kissing, hugging, laying on of hands were all part of bestowing the blessing. It communicates warmth and personal acceptance. And it's even been known to improve physical health. It's an integral part of the blessing. Interestingly enough, when you go to the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 19, it says some of the parents were bringing their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him, but Jesus said, Let the children come to me, don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them before he left. Matthew nineteen thirteen. Jesus was a master of communicating love and personal acceptance. Also, remember in Mark chapter 1, the man comes with leprosy to Jesus and he falls on his knees and begs Jesus to heal him and Jesus reaches out and touches him. He's an outcast, he's dirty, he's unclean. It's the person you don't touch and Jesus touched him because there's blessing and meaningful touching. (laughs) That man probably hadn't been touched in ages and he touched him. What do you think that communicated to that man? I love you. I care about you. I accept you. Even though your family doesn't. Even though other people don't, God accepts us. We have that blessing from the Lord. The second element of the family blessing from meaningful touch, we go to a spoken message. A spoken message Words of love and acceptance are seldom heard. A blessing comes only when it is spoken. For a child in search of the blessing, the major thing silence communicates is confusion. Children who are left to fill in the blanks when it comes to what their parents think about them will often fail the test when it comes to feeling valuable and secure. Spoken words at least give the hearer an indication they're worthy of attention. We look in the Old Testament again. Abraham spoke his blessing to his son Isaac. Isaac spoke a blessing to his son Jacob. Jacob gave a verbal blessing to each of his 12 sons and to two of his grandchildren. When God blessed us with the gift of his son, what did he say Jesus was? The Word. Isn't that interesting? The Word. (laughs) The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God has always been a God of the spoken Word. So speak words of blessing to your kids. Let them know how much they mean to you and to God. The third aspect is attaching high value. To the words, we attach high value. 
To value something means to attach honor to it. It means to bless. In Hebrew, the actual word means to bow the knee. It doesn't mean we need to bow our knee in front of our kids, but it's just carrying that idea of recognition that this person is valuable and has redeeming qualities. In the scriptures, recognition is based on who they are and not simply their performance. You know, we as parents sometimes can get pretty harsh if our kids don't perform well. They need our encouragement. In blessing his son, Isaac says, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. That pictures a valuable person. Not just anybody merits that. Isaac uses a word picture to describe how valuable his son is to him. He says, The smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. He accepted his son. You know, one of the things that my father has had the habit of doing, um, and I don't remember exactly when he started this, but it's been quite a while ago, that every time we go to hang up the phone, he says, I love you and appreciate you. It communicates value incredibly. We can do that with our children. We can do that with our spouse. We can do that with friends. It's so vital. Communicating high value. Four, picturing a special future. That is the fourth element of passing on a blessing. Do you see the future of your child? Maybe God has gifted them in baking, sewing, athletics, whatever it is, you see it. They've got a gift working with people. They have a gift of leadership. Whatever it is, you you see that special gift they have. They have artistic ability. They have musical ability. Whatever it is, picture the future that God has for them and communicate it. Isaac says to his son Jacob, May God give you the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. In other words, I see a future for you, Jacob. God's going to bless you in a special way. Even today, Jewish homes are noted for picturing a special future for their children. There's a story told of a young Jewish mother. She was proudly walking down the street, pushing a stroller with her infant twins. As she rounded the corner, she saw her neighbor, Sarah. My, what beautiful children, Sarah cooed. What are their names? Pointing to each child, the woman replied, This is Benny, the doctor, and Reuben, the lawyer. (laughs) This woman believed her children had a special future and great potential for them. Isaac believed that about his son. And we should communicate that message to those we seek to bless. Now we cannot predict a person's future with biblical accuracy like Isaac did. Nor are we supposed to. But we can communicate the gifts and character traits that we see that they have right now are attributes that God can bless and use in the future. And we should do so. This can help them grow in their security and confidence as they serve God and others. And then fifthly is an act of commitment. 
the responsibility that goes with giving the blessing. For the patriarchs, not only their words, but God himself stood behind the blessing they bestowed on their children. This showed God's active commitment to their family line. We need to rely on the Lord to give us the strength and the staying power to confirm our children's blessing. We too have God's word and the scriptures to guide us. Why is active commitment so important to giving the blessing? Because words alone can't communicate the blessing. It needs to be backed with a commitment to do everything possible to help the one blessed to be successful. See, we can tell a child, you know what, you got the talent to be a really good pianist and never get him a piano. <laughs> what good is that um, if they can't practice? Oh, you may have the ability to do this, but we never provide them the opportunity to do that. It's hard to pass on that blessing. Now, what does this all boil down to? Why does God want to parents to pass on this blessing to the children? Because he wants the gospel to be the centerpiece of their life. That happens when we pass on the blessing. Let's think for a moment about the context of Scripture. The blessing, God said he wants to bless man and woman. It points to the ultimate blessing of Jesus Christ. Let's think for a minute about the story of Noah and the ark. God's going to send a flood. And he said he raises up a man, Noah, to build an ark to what? To rescue his people and to save his people. The ark is a blessing, is it not? Without the blessing of the ark, the people perish. The blessing of the ark is necessary. He blesses a man who builds the ark and provides a plan of rescue and redemption and deliverance from the flood. What a story. Then we go to Abraham. Abraham is told to take his son to a mountain, to sacrifice his son on that mountain. And God provides a substitute in the person of a ram. He provides a substitute so that his son is spared and the ram's life is taken. Is that a blessing? It's a huge blessing. God blesses by providing a substitute. Do you see where it all is pointing? Noah is like Jesus Christ, providing salvation, redemption, rescue. Abraham, in the story of Abraham, God provides a ram, Jesus, to be the substitute for sin. What a blessing. Then we move on from there, Joseph. The story of Joseph, right? Joseph is mistreated by his brothers, just like Jesus was mistreated by his own. He's sent off into slavery. Then there's a famine that comes, and he stores up all the grain, so the people go to him and are rescued and saved. Is that a blessing to have food when there's a famine? You better believe it. Why is that blessing of the food there? Salvation, redemption. Salvation and redemption. What about Exodus? You get into the book of Exodus. They're in Egyptian bondage 400 years. God sends a deliverer in Moses. What a blessing that God has provided 
a rescuer, a deliverer, a savior who will rescue his people. Jesus comes to our rescue and rescues us out of our bondage so that we can be free. You see, the gospel is all-encompassing. The reason that parents are to bless their children is so we understand that it's the gospel that allows us to bless our children, and only because of the gospel, only because of what Jesus has done in our lives. And here's what he says in 1 Peter 2.9, but you, because of what Jesus did, are a chosen people. That's a blessing. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's the greatest blessing of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He provided that in the person of Christ the blessing that we have. And here's what he says in Ephesians 1.3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Listen, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And he goes on and he lists what those blessings are. So why does God bless us? So that we will share the gospel with the world. And we do that through passing on a blessing to our kids, our grandkids, the blessing of the gospel so that people might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. If I only think that blessing is for me and my children, we've missed it. The blessing is there that will be a blessing to the world, a blessing to those who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. And I just want to encourage you, maybe you're here today and you're like, you know, I didn't come from a home that passed on the blessing. You're in a church family where you can hear words of blessing, where you can receive hugs and meaningful touches, where you can hear words of high value and a special future be pictured for you. And that's done through the church. Because you may never hear it from a parent, and maybe that parent has already passed on, but you can still receive the blessing from your heavenly Father. He wants to pass that on to you and give that to you. And the nice thing is we don't have to earn it or deserve it. Jesus died for sinners. He died for us so that we could be blessed. He blessed Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, so that blessing could be passed on. But ultimately, the blessing was that we would receive the gospel, the gift of salvation. And so I hope we're passing that on to our kids with the help of God. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Jesus died on the cross for you and shed his blood that you could be forgiven and come into a right relationship with him. And if we can pray with you, if we can help you in that, we'd be glad to do that. Please see me after the service. I'd be glad to share with you how you can have a personal relationship with God. Let's bow together in prayer.
We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.